Good day, friends. This is Pastor Ray Kozek. Hope you're having an awesome day. You're listening to Jesus in the Center, One Year Bible Podcast. Today is day number 19. Woo-hoo! Hope you're doing all right, learning some stuff. Today was uh, a good and fun reading. You don't have as many, like, what does this mean kind of stuff going on today. It's more, um, I would say, encouraging in a devotional way. So I hope you enjoyed the readings today. Let's start with a prayer, though. Oh, Lord, Help us to be like Joseph and flee to you, to even in hard times or good times, to receive your blessing and to to focus on you. Thank you for the word that has come to us. Thank you for the the message of the kingdom that our King Jesus has come uh, to give us light and to call us to you so that we might in good time see your face when we arise in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We also think of our loved ones who... I struggle with all this stuff, and we pray for them. All right, so let's jump right in. Today, I don't want to start with Genesis like we normally do. I want to start with Matthew and then go back and think of what Jesus teaches us and put it in the context of the life of Joseph. So let's let's jump right in. First, I, I love this, how Jesus, he prioritizes his disciples. A disciple is a learner, so that's me and you. He says, who is my family? Who is my mother and my brother? He says, here they are stretching out his hand toward his disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So rejoice. Jesus has called you. It is his will that you are his disciple. The next section is, it's the parable of the sower or the farmer. And whoever says sower these days, except for someone who is going to, you know, stitch some cloth together. It's the parable of the farmer. And Jesus is speaking in a parable, and he's talking about a farmer. Jesus' audience, they know about farming, except a couple of things Jesus says that we don't necessarily catch that would have been completely astounding to them. They would have they'd been like, what? Here's the two things. Uh, one is not that there's a farmer, but the farmer is wasteful. This, the seed for next year's crop came from last year's harvest. And so to just go out and waste it and plant it wherever you feel like, it would never be done. No good farmer would plant on the paths, right? Dude, get it together. You need to go back to farming school. You don't throw your rocks on the path or the side of the path. It's not going to grow there. And also, dude, why are you throwing this where it's so rocky? And why are you throwing it in that weed patch over there? No, no, no. Put it in the good soil, right? Everyone knows that part. First that the farmer is wasteful. The second thing, where it does yield a crop, it's not a normal crop. You know, maybe tenfold would be a pretty awesome crop. If you put in a bushel and got out ten, you'd be rejoicing. But here it says that the crop from this farmer yields thirty or sixty or a hundredfold. Now that ain't normal, you know, to use Joel Salatin's phrase. It did happen very rarely. Remember Isaac in the book of Genesis? He did plant a crop and yield a hundredfold. That was because God had blessed it. And so this should be a reminder of the blessing of God. And Jesus' disciples are wondering, Jesus, why are you talking to them in parables? Just talk to them straight up. Like, give us some propositions, right? Just tell us the facts. Well, Jesus isn't about to just give facts because he's talking to people who, two, two different types of people, basically those who are open to him and those who are closed to him. And so to the open, you've been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, and you'll be given more. So we can rejoice in that. I don't know everything, but I want to learn. I want to, I want my heart to be opened to the Lord. Lord, open my heart. 
By the way, Psalm 80 is a great psalm to pray in that regard. O Lord, uh, return us, O Lord, and we will be returned. That's the same word that is the word repent. Repent us, O Lord, and we will be repented. We don't normally think of repentance as something God does, but it is definitely something God initiates. Uh, We see that in the book of Acts, too, that God granted many people repentance. So it is a gift. We pray that God would give us this gift. All right, well, I I don't know where I was going there. (laughs) Anyway, he then refers to Isaiah, right? The question that's unstated is this, Jesus, why are there so many, if you're really the, the king, why are there so many who oppose you? Why are so few people believing and trusting? That's the same question we have. And so Jesus will say, well, it's always been like this. And so he refers to the call of Isaiah. Check out Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees the Lord in his temple and his lips are cleansed. And then the Lord says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. My lips have been cleansed, send me. I will do your will, O Lord. And so the Lord sends him, but he sends him to a people who are going to reject him. And Jesus quotes that section there. It is obviously the Lord's will that people would hear and see and believe and their eyes would be opened and that they would be healed. You know, we're not robots. All right, well, the rest of the parable, Jesus explains it. Basically, uh, three types of those who who don't produce and then there's three, three types of producers. The enemies basically is this, the birds, the rocks, and the weeds. The birds is when someone hears, Jesus explains this, when someone hears and and they don't understand. So the seed, the message of the kingdom is stolen from them. And then there are those who do hear and understand. And they come to believe. Some think they don't really believe, but Jesus here says they do for a while, which should be a warning for us that, Lord, help us to believe our whole lives. As they prayed so often throughout the the history of the church, Lord, give me a blessed death. That is faith uh, through my whole life. Anyway, for those who do understand and who who do believe, there are other temptations, right? The other, the first one is the temptation of bad things, bad things happening. Jesus calls it tribulation or persecution. That's having a rocky soil is, is letting the, the tribulation and the persecution, the, the hard things of life, the suffering of life, turn us away from God. And I think we're all tempted with that. And then there's the other one. The other side of that coin is the good things, right? Life is going great. I have more money than I know what to do with. Everything's cool, right? I am. I can bunker down in my little hole and I can entertain myself. My life is good. That's the other side, when the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So one, being worried about stuff and then also being tricked that the riches themselves will make us happy or are a sign of God's blessing, right? They choke the word. So those are the enemies. The amazing harvest or produce comes when God's word is heard, uh, when God gives us good hearts to trust and believe in him, and uh, by his miraculous doing, uh, we produce 30, 60, and 100. All right, so that's that's the, the reading today from Matthew. Let's take a look back at Genesis. We have four, chapter 41, 39, 40, and 41. Here we see, remember our good friend Joseph, he is thrown into the pit, and he is sold into slavery, and he ends up in Potiphar's house, 
Potiphar is the captain of the guard. In other words, he's in charge of Pharaoh's prison. And the guys who are going to be on trial, he's holding them. So that's that's kind of who Potiphar is. That's his, his job. But I just want to point out that uh, even though Joseph was in hard spots, right? He, he was sold into slavery. And then later he is uh, accused wrongly by Potiphar's wife. And then he's thrown into Potiphar's prison or dungeon. And then he's forgotten by the chief cupbearer. All these things happen. Circumstances are bad, right? This is like Jesus said, uh, when the tribulation and persecutions come, right, they fall away. So life was was bad, but also there's times for Joseph when life is really good, that he has success in everything he does. He doesn't let those things go to his head. So we we see here the the beauty of this life that God gave Joseph, where he's neither going off uh, and losing faith because things are hard or because things are good. He is holding faith. Uh, it says a few different times in these these chapters, especially chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph. It says that in verse 3 and verse 21. It says that God caused all that he did to succeed. It also says that he found favor or God gave him favor. That God had blessing or gave him the blessing of the Lord was upon him. Joseph is blessed just as God promised to Abraham and his heirs that we'd be blessed. That eventual blessing is we know is, is our Lord Jesus. Uh, but I think the Lord Jesus is working mightily in it, in his life. Joseph, when he goes into to slavery, he's only 17 years old. He knows enough. He's been walking enough with the Lord to have faith and to continue in his faith. That's the one side of the coin for Joseph, is that even though life is hard, he knows that God is with him. The other side is then life is good. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, almost immediately, Joseph is exalted. He's He's given a position of trust and authority in Potiphar's house. We'll see that later also in, when he's in prison. And then again with Pharaoh in Pharaoh's house. He's the right-hand man of Potiphar. How long does it take? I don't know. But he's given so many good things. Everything from Potiphar. And even Potiphar's wife is saying, you can have me too. Life is good. Sort of. Joseph could have said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take all that. Could have had... Potiphar's wife, but instead he is, has good sense to know that that is not for him. I think it's worth pausing a moment and looking at Joseph's response to the, the seduction of Potiphar's wife. This is uh, verse 6 and 7. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he would not listen to lie beside her or to be with her. So Joseph has great respect for the order, the gift of marriage that is in Potiphar and his wife, even though the wife, you know, She's not a good wife. She wants to leave Potiphar, sleep with this Hebrew slave. The second thing, he has great respect for marriage itself, and he's not going to violate it. Second thing, he says, it, it would be a great wickedness against God. It would be a great wickedness and a sin against God. This is kind of like Psalm 51 when David confesses. He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
but it's good. He, he flees, and he, it turns out that he God has given him a good heart. I'm going to just read a couple of verses from the New Testament. The first one is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And in this passage, Paul reminds us that the Old Testament is written, these stories are written, so that we might have faith, so that we would not fall into temptation. And so he says here, he says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And then he says, flee from idolatry. Flee from having other gods. And then he talks about fleeing to the Lord's Supper, which is a beautiful strength for us. The other passage that I want to look at is 2 Timothy 2.22. It's an easy one to remember. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So how do we get to have this good soil? It's by, it's by calling on the Lord to help us, not by our own good achievements, uh, but the Lord working in us and giving us his very own blessing. It's a call to repent, to confess, a call to uh, start over again, to know that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And it's a call to uh, have a brother or a sister to help you in this fight to be like Joseph and to say, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Oh, may the Lord give us these kind of hearts. We don't have them in ourselves, but because of God's message of the kingdom, a king who has come that we might have this strength. Remember, 1 John says, uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Good reminder, we don't just get good hearts. We are given good hearts. The Lord gives us repentance and faith in Jesus, and he washes away our sins. He makes us completely pure and clean in his sight. And so we can rejoice. Right. Well, there's also the psalm and the proverb. I want to look at the proverb briefly because I think it's the life of Joseph. It says this, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous, just as he did Joseph, and he wants to do for us. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor or grace. So may we receive the blessing of the Lord as well. May we be humble and thus have his grace, just like Joseph did. Well, there's a challenge for today. We pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you, makes his face shine upon you and is gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.